Welcome to All About HR. I'm your host, Tom Horn, and I'm on a journey to learn about all things HR. I'm documenting my conversations with thought leaders, HR professionals, and real employees about everything from recruiting, workplace of the future, benefits, you name it. We're all about HR. Let's go. Welcome back to our first episode of 2022 here at All About HR. I'm so excited to continue, I guess we'll call it season two here, out of Denver, Colorado. It's a beautiful day. We just had some snow. Everything is as it should be. I am so excited for our guest, our first guest of the year, April Bell. April Bell is a researcher, business owner, and often described as a force of nature. She's conducted more than 11,000 hours of empathy research through her boutique research agency, working with many of the world's well-known brands. While helping Fortune 500 companies innovate new products and services for almost two decades, she observed the impact of empathy on user experiences throughout the innovation journey. It was inspired to write her first book, which we will get into heavily today. April's own fire is lit when she is reading, snuggling with her daughter, or finds her way onto a boat, something I can greatly relate to. April, welcome to All About HR. Thank you. You like to be on boats too? Uh, absolutely. I uh, I moved to California uh, from New York and I didn't want to get in the water where the sharks were, but I really want to take advantage of the ocean. So I I, uh, I took up sailing and learned to sail and oh race sailboats and ended up buying a catamaran. And I just You're kidding. love it. Okay. So this is crazy because I grew up in West Texas where there is no water at all. <laughs> and I just recently got my daughter into sailing lessons and she's in love with it. Oh, and it's so I, I, it's like this whole new world that I never even knew existed. So I was going to ask you what kind of boat that you liked. <laughs> I used to race on J105 sailboats. That's 10.5 meter. And then I had a NACRA F-18 catamaran and it mm-hmm. was uh it scared the hell out of me, to be perfectly honest. This thing was so fast. Well, my dream is to go on a sailboat where I've got an entire team of people cooking for me all week, and I get to just sit in the sun. Go to the British Virgin Islands. There's okay. all kinds of versions of that, and it's not too wildly expensive. Okay, I'm writing this down. Thank you. All right, April, we're off to a good start. I didn't I didn't honestly pick up the boat pre-show, so this is all uh, this is all a delightful way to start the conversation. I love boats. It's the best. How can you not be happy on a boat? I know. Let's get into the real good stuff. Well, that's real good stuff. More real good stuff. Mm-hmm. What are you listening to right now, April? Well, it's a great question because after writing a book, it took me a second to even get back into wanting to consume more. But if I'm totally honest with you, I will tell you I'm listening to a woman named Alison Armstrong, and her whole thing is around understanding men <laughs> and, learn, and learning about their greatness and um, how they can be heroes. And so what I love about it is every time I listen to her, I feel like I've discovered so much that the media never talks about, and it makes me joyful inside. So that's what I'm listening to. That's fantastic. I mean, if you can feel joyful inside... I, uh, I've written her name down. I will check, I will check out Alison Armstrong, especially if she's talking nice stuff about guys. That's great. It's great. Yeah. You'll appreciate it. We're going to get into, you know, your book. That's actually where I want to start and talk about empathy, but I feel like, is there anything you were reading or listening to with Alison that, that really resonates that might connect us uh, right to our main topic today of really empathy? 
Well, one of the reasons it, it does connect, actually, the reason I got interested in understanding men more is because about two years ago, when all of this stuff with COVID started, began really wanting to explore the idea of empathy outside of product innovation to understand if, is it possible to innovate people using empathy in the same way that we do product innovation in my research work? And so in that exploration, I started experimenting in my own life. And then I started having some of my friends who are corporate, like kind of C-level executive leaders who are female go through some of this innovation journey work that we do. And they kept telling me, this is not just for women. <laughs> and right. it's hilarious because I wouldn't listen to them, which is what this is all about. So in my own learning to listen and get curious about why they said it, I began doing um, empathy interviews. And what I recognized is that a lot of the people who were interested were C-level men who were interested in learning more about empathy. And so then I got curious, really curious. Okay, well, they had something to this. And so that whole thing led me to really learning what I didn't know about men who are leaders and a lot of the beliefs that I had in my own journey that were actually just untrue. And uh, that discovery has just led me down to writing a book to explain more about how we believe things that are a lot of times not true. And until we start getting curious about it empathetically, we're never going to innovate in a way that we want to. That was even more perfect than I could uh, hope for <laughs> as far as tying everything together. You know, let's just jump right into talking about, it's not an upcoming book. It's released now, I believe. I think it came out. Um, you can give us the exact date, tell us where to find it. But uh, your book, The Firestarter, Igniting Innovation with Empathy. I love this title so much. It sounds like, it sounds like you started talking about how you got there, but how did you get there to write this book? What really made you decide to write this book? And then what did you find? Like, what's in this book? Tell us about it. I, I see empathy as, as power as a force, a force of nature that is basic to our being as human. And I think we've gotten a lot away from it because we use our minds so much in business. And just like your HR hot sauce that resonated with me, because, you know, what hot sauce does is it actually increases like the vitality or the energy around what you're eating. And empathy does the same thing when you're trying to solve big problems, because most of the time when we try to solve big problems, we do so with what we know in our minds. We start there. And what innovators know and believe is that the place you start is with heart-led desire. And then you go out and you discover what you don't know. And so as you discover, then potential and possibility come in, especially when you're doing so with combining what people emotionally want with what your own emotional desires are. That's where magic is created. And I wanted to talk about that in the book. This is not your everyday empathy conversation uh, already. So it sounds like you found this connection, but as you interviewed all these different people, as you've done your 11,000 hours of research, I mean, what are some of the cornerstones of being empathetic? Like, how do you get there? How do you start on the journey to understanding and using empathy? Great question. 
I'm, I, I want to just tell a quick story that will almost highlight what you said. Yeah, perfect. Stories are better than answers. <laughs> well, I will never forget when I was early in my career and we were doing some baby care research. And this client team of mine and I, we were all in a, in a mom's home, new, new mom. And there were five of us. And this brand knew they wanted to go into natural space. Like we want to be all natural. And they wanted to learn more about that. This mom starts telling us about how much all natural is important to her as she's holding her baby, rocking her. And while she's talking about how all of her products, everything had to be all natural, she goes into the refrigerator opens the door, grabs adult milk and puts it in the baby bottle and starts feeding her her baby this adult milk from a bottle. Now, I don't know what we were expecting exactly, but it wasn't that. And so right. there, there became this incongruence with what she was saying and what she was doing. And in that moment, the team chose to be curious and wonder why she did that rather than judgmental on why her behavior was incongruent. And so from that, the actual brand shifted its whole strategy. And in fact, their tagline is, and I can't really talk about it as confidential, but their tagline is a result of the learning that we had, not about natural, which is why they went in, but what we discovered in the moment of just being curious. So the cornerstone, or at least one of the biggest ones is just curiosity. When you believe that you don't know something, and you begin to innovate with this curiosity um, as the forefront, it actually shifts perspective in a way that allows things that never could have possibly been thought about before enter in. I've never thought of curiosity connecting that way, but it makes all the sense in the world. You have to be curious enough to think about the other person, wonder what the situation is, and be cognizant of it in the moment to even ask or pursue that curiosity. Is that one of the areas you see that people miss empathy is they just move too fast and just miss it? Or maybe they're curious and they don't even realize and they're just moving past it. Is that part of kind of building empathy? Is that that pause to realize it? Yes. Yes. I, I think there are two things that create the biggest barriers to curiosity. One is just simply thinking we already know, right? And we know why someone did something. So the curiosity is, you know, Simon Sinek, Simon Sinek talks about the why, right? He talks about knowing your own why. But what empathy can do is it can, it can actually cross that bridge over into trying to understand, I wonder why someone's actually doing that. I wonder why someone actually is saying that thing that they're saying. And so I, I, I think that's a barrier. And then I think the other thing that is just, the hardest for us all to deal with right now and in getting into a place of being more curious, curious is presence. How can we possibly be present when we're all so scattered, right, with the million things that we have to do? In order to be empathetic, you must be in the place where you are, right? Noticing what your feet are doing, noticing what your, what your, where your hands are, what your body's doing is a, is a way to get us into a place of empathy because then we can be with who other people are as well. It has to start with you. It, it sounds like there's a real science behind this. You know, I think 
so I've got my own empathy story and I'll, I'll jump in it later. It's not anywhere near as impactful, I think, as what you're talking about. But I think a lot of people are like empathy, or caring or being nice or it's something simple. But it sounds like there's a lot of science behind empathy. Can you talk a little bit more about like what the science of empathy is? We've started touching on it, but I think there's more there. Well, I'm not a scientist, so I don't love talking science, but I will tell you this. Neuroscience is making leaps and bounds with being able to put language to actually what happens, right? And so it's funny because I think a lot of the reason going back to why men are interested in some of this stuff with empathy is because what we learn, all of us do, but I would say especially at at an early age, we learn that we are to solve problems with our brain using our mind only. And what science is showing us is that we are integrated beings, right? So our body and our heart and our mind actually work together. And so empathy allows us to get into our body through the heart. And so that integration, which is what we're hearing so often now, is what makes it powerful, right? Because when we are able to get integrated, we can go from our brainstem into our prefrontal cortex in a way that allows all the things that happen from that creativity, potentiality, possibility, connection, deeper uh, engagement with each other. And so that's a little bit about what we're starting to see pop up everywhere. I think that a lot of what I talk about in the book uh, references again and again, the language behind what sometimes has not really been readily available to the mainstream. It's really insightful. And it, it, it takes me back to these conversation I was having yesterday. So I was on a, a HR, HR community Twitter chat, uh, HR social hour does a Twitter chat every other Sunday. And it's all HR people of all levels. And there's non HR people. It's this great Twitter chat. But I see this hashtag Sunday scaries and it's all people like, oh, God, I don't want to go back mm-hmm. to work or I'm so scared of Monday. And then Monday came and I started thinking about, you know, when I came up, it was, you know, I came up in the sales world. It was like, all right, Monday morning, sales meeting, weekend's over, people, get your computers out, start kicking ass right away. What do you have this week? And that was kind of how management went. And that's how I was kind of brought up that, all right, weekend's over, go kick butt. And... I think that really connects to what you said with a lot of like the male executives saying, hey, you know, I'm interested in this because I feel like at least for me and my experience, and and I was, if you find me on LinkedIn, there's an exchange I had on this topic yesterday as well with another leader that I used to have that that's kind of how we were bred. And I think one of the things you hear is that oh, these old execs don't want to, they don't want to evolve. They just want to hold their old, you know, they just want to do it the same way they always did. So it sounds like what you mentioned gives me hope because I think empathy is the key to making the workplace better mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And if these old school, quote unquote, old school execs can add in and acknowledge empathy and, and leverage some of its power, I think the workplace as a whole is going to get a whole lot better. So so can I say something that you brought up for me whenever you said that? Of course. Um, so in, what, in some of my experimentation last year, I ended up having a, a friend of mine who is a C-level executive at an air purifying plant company, a corporation, we were talking about it and he was like, okay, play with this problem with me. I was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> and so his problem was he needed to shift the efficiency of their manufacturing plant 
so that it was um, saving money and also that he could keep everyone. He, his, his desire, his intention was to keep everyone employed, but also create more efficiency. So he, he decided that what he needed to do was to minimize the amount of work that was needed for each individual employee so that it would be more efficient. And they just got really, really, really good at that thing. And, and he kept running into problems. It was creating chaos in his organization. And so that's the problem he presented. He's like, why isn't this working? I've done everything I know to do. So let's just try to innovate. So we started and what was discovered was he was creating chaos because what his team wanted was not less work. They wanted more work together, right? They wanted to be more connected to the actual thing they were creating, and so what we ended up creating was we, we and this is, a, this is a marketing thing to do, right? But we created purifying play pods so that the team kind of got to get, teams got together in pods and began playing with how to make this purification system better. And then everyone had a place yeah. on the team and it became a game and they became connected and then everyone was winning together and it changed everything. And guess what? He um, saved money doing it that way. <laughs> that is, that's a, my favorite way of making money is by focusing on the people and focusing on making the process more efficient rather than focusing on making money. That's the best. Right. It, and I mean, this is why going back to why empathy is powerful is it actually creates abundance. And you don't think so because you think of empathy for a purpose other than what it, I'm talking about it with, right? I, I'm talking about empathy as a place to empower people to make more money. And when you start with what is it they want and work from there, it does do that. That is the reason we have mass product. I mean, think about all the mass products that are being produced and how much money they make. It's because they use this. They use this process in order to create in a powerful way. And so anyway, that's, that's what came to mind. That is, I, I think this is a perfect place to stop because, or pause, um, because I want to get into this intersection of product innovation and hum, human innovation. But first, I want to take a quick pause, and then we'll get back and dive into that a little bit deeper. Understand, engage, inspire, and retain your people like never before. People Elements Employee Experience and Engagement Solution delivers powerful intelligence, giving you the confidence to act. To learn how you can gain a better understanding of your employees, please visit us at peopleelement.com. All right, it is time for our first HR hot sauce of the year. April, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. What is the best job you have ever had? I was a production coordinator at a video company when I was in college. And it was the best job I had because he originally put me in the shipping department and I had to ask him every day to get me out. And so he was like, finally, just stop. You can go into the production department. So just getting there was why it was the best. What's the one phrase at work that drives you nuts? I don't care. I agree. Do you like working on rainy or sunny days? (laughs) Sunny. It's It's a conundrum to answer that question. When it's raining, I don't want to work because I want to be in bed. But when it's sunny, I really don't want to work because I want to be outside in the sun. So I would rather work, though, because at least it gives me a little bit of fire when it's sunny versus wanting to be in bed. Best useless skill. (laughs) Um, 
listening to Audi- Audible because if I could listen to Audible all the time, I would just do that and nothing else. I understand that one too. How can somebody make your day at work? Give me a hug. Love it. Medium, mild, hot, or nuclear? Hot. And finally, what is your favorite interview question to ask or be asked? If you could have it your way, what would you do? I love that. <laughs> All right, you've made it. That is the HR hot sauce. Let's get back to the show. We are back. That was a phenomenal HR hot sauce. We've had a phenomenal conversation. It's a conversation I've never had around empathy. And it, empathy, personally, for me, is something that's always been a cornerstone of who I am in my career. And I, I, I have a thing professionally, Marriott International. I learned the learn model. Listen, empathize, apologize, react, and notify. Is That was the model I was taught on how to solve guest problems. And for me, I realized, E, empathy. You could listen. You could react, you could notify and solve the problem. That pausing and going, I understand exactly how this must feel. You just traveled all across the country and your room's not ready. Like I would be just as upset. I'd probably be more upset than you. I Doing that pause and focusing on the E, the empathy, absolutely helped me in my career. And it's always stuck with me because I've watched my colleagues doing the all the other pieces, but without that e-empathy, I think a lot of things fall apart. And I think what we're about to talk about, which is that intersection of product innovation and human innovation, I think it's a really cool intersection with empathy because empathy on its own is one thing, but when you can inject empathy into a system, you can really, you can really, really make some progress. So I think I've over-talked and introed this a little too much, but I don't hear that intersection either. April, like, how did you come to the intersection of product innovation with human innovation and empathy? Like, how did all this come together? Well, can I just start by responding to what you said? Because I I wanted you to know I appreciate that you talk and give context because what that does for me is it allows me to hear what's going on for you and what matters and then hopefully what matters to you know a broader audience. So I just want to really acknowledge you for that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I think you. it's important that you know it because this is what you do and you're good. So, and, and so speaking of that, one of the things that when you and I were talking right before Christmas, you did for me was very powerful because of your, your own empathy and your own curiosity, because you asked me then about my journey toward empathy. And when I got off the phone with you, I was able to be with the question for a little bit longer. I was able to see myself. And I realized that my journey towards empathy started when I was very young. And so what you did for me was give me a greater appreciation for my family right going into the holidays, which usually awesome. I don't have. <laughs> so anyway, I want to tell you about, I want to tell you about why Empathy was so important for the purpose of innovation when I was growing up because I grew up on a farm, a cotton farm in West Texas. And when you grow up where you're having to constantly create a crop, you have a system in place. Like, you know what you have to do to get the soil ready and to uh, grow um, things 
the cotton in a way that is going to allow it to continue for harvest. But what you can't control are so many important things. And you know, every year you're going to have weather that absolutely you cannot mitigate. So the only thing you can do is stay attuned to everything in the system, the ecosystem that actually is going to help the creation happen. And so I think as a child, like I knew that if my grandmother got sick, then no one in the field would get fed. Okay. I knew that if the, if the garden was not done, um, if insects got into it and I didn't do my part on that, then quite possibly if we had a really bad weather storm and we couldn't afford food, then I might actually, we may have bigger problems because we don't have extra food being uh, worked on. So there's this constant knowing that everything matters in a very big way for the purpose of creation. And so then seeing that in my last 20 years with, with product innovation has kind of almost helped me understand and you helped me understand that, you know, there, this was happening early on. And now I got to see how I could help others innovate using the same kind of attunement, if you will. Wow. That's a, that's a powerful story. And that, that'll, you'll learn some lessons uh, from that, or at least you should. And it sounds like you did. I felt like a child laborer a lot of times, which is, again, it, it takes a while and a lot of therapy hours to get through that. <laughs> well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad you acknowledged that and started working yeah. on that, right? Like, I mean, so what are the drivers of productivity and that crossover with, you know, with job functions? What is some of this process of, of connecting innovation? Two things come to mind. Innovation is just a big problem to solve. And what innovators know is that when we activate our hearts to solve problems and we learn what the emotional problem is to solve first, then we create from that a better solution, a more sustainable one. And so we go through a journey and like what I call an innovation journey that ironically um, ends with where most people begin. And that journey I talk about in part one of the book, which is uh, starting with desire and then going into discovery. And then from there, using some discernment, because you don't have all the data when you're innovating big problems. And so it takes discernment, which you have achieved through discovery. And then you start designing solutions and then you decide. And most people start with trying to decide how to fix a problem. So if you if you think about um, what is the word you use? Driver? The driver is being willing to hold space to not know the answer until you've gone through some of the process. I watched Castaway last night. That's a great movie. And, and, and Castaway helped me understand on many levels why, why leaders don't use empathy because we don't have to, right? You don't have to use empathy until you do, <laughs> until you get into third year of right. COVID, <laughs> And you're like, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna end. We're on the island. When Tom Hanks finally realized that he was gonna stick to on the island and no one was gonna save him, and the only way to save himself was to get back to basics and figure out how to start a fire, he was gonna only survive barely. And then he started innovating. As soon as he got the fire lit, things shifted for him. He stayed there for four more years because he got back to basics and he was able to recreate. So 
the driver is space, holding space at the beginning to let things be what they are without trying to fix them. That was an intentional pause. I wanted to really let that. <laughs> I wanted to really let that uh, sink in. I think that's that's incredible. So, if you had to go through five bullet points or five things from product innovation that people or organizations can use directly towards human innovation or your own personal innovation, what are some of those just specific items that cross over directly that people might want to start focusing on? I think about it in three ways, which is why I'm pausing. I'm just gonna, I'll just talk about it in the parts of my book because that's how I lined up my own thinking about it. Okay. So part. And I, w- I was going to tie all this back into the book at the end. So this is, you're already a step okay. ahead of me. So go get it. This is perfect. So there's so many things. I'm already on my third book in my mind. So you're, 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 you're helping me realize <laughs> things that I, I want to say, but I, I'll just say the first thing is, Innovation is a process. It's not a step. Okay. So following a process that includes emotional intention, intentionality and emotional agility, like innovators do is important. Okay. That five-step process is what I talk about in the first section of my book. The second is innovation is chaotic and you should expect to go through chaos in order to get to the other side. So my second part of what I would say is there are some primary barriers that are emotional, that when you can use empathy to see what that barrier is and use it for an empowered way, harness the barrier, if you will, then you can get to the other side of it in a transformative way. And then the third is what I call, how do you increase the empathy muscle? There are ways of being that we have in our natural possession that help us get back to empathy. And that's what I talk about in the third part of my book. Is that helpful? That's incredible. That's I'm taking mental notes and then I realized I can just listen to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So let's, let's full circle. We're, we're, we're just about there. We're right, right at the end here. The book sounds fantastic. I have a copy. In route uh, from Amazon, cannot wait to read it. What's the one thing or what are the main things you want people to take from the book, uh, from this conversation uh, with them? I guess, what's your what's your core reason for doing this? What's your core intention in the book? I know it works. I have seen and been a part of helping Fortune, let's say 50 companies, literally make millions over doing this process. It, Rory Sutherland talks about it in his book, Alchemy. Magic happens, miracles happen, things happen unexpected when you allow time and space. And we are in a place that should be an innovator's dream because we are in the unknown. And what I would like to see in the world is that instead of tearing each other down, and continuing with the pressure to produce in the way that we have, that we instead work with what we have, where we are, and we create a way that we can move through this together so that our planet is sustainable, our children are creating more of the good that we're leaving as a legacy. And I think that corporations are responsible for doing this. 
they, they have a they have a place of responsibility that I would love to see be enacted. Yes, that's phenomenal. Your thoughtfulness, everything we've talked about with empathy. I, I consider myself an empathetic person, and it's a topic I love. And I realize there's a lot more work I have to do, continue to do, to to be the best person that I can be for my family, for work. This has been awesome. It's been transformative. I look forward to reading the book. I look forward to having you back, April. Thank you so much for being our first guest of 2022. Any final comments before I sign us off here? Yes. I don't want to ever be on another podcast unless they're as awesome as you are. I'm serious. Like you're awesome. I appreciate There's you. There's a whole list I can show you, but that that, <laughs> mean, that means the world. This, this is about me growing. I, I This comes from a place of just trying to learn and trying to engage phenomenal people. And if I didn't have this podcast, I don't know if you and I would have ever met. So I'm uh, I very know. thankful that uh, that we're doing this and very thankful to have had you with us today, April. I'm thankful for you. And I am thankful for People Element who helped sponsor this for Laura Hunley, my producer. We'll have her on one of these days. She comes in and tells us all the good stuff on the breaks. Uh, we got we got to expose the rest of you to, to Laura. She's fantastic. But until then, this has been episode one of 2022, where we're learning all about HR. Have a great day. See you back in a couple of weeks. Cheers.